Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Robinson Crusoe. Written anew for children. Chapters 41 and 42. Chapter 41. I am pleased with my man Friday. The savage spoke to me. I could not understand his words, but they were very pleasant to hear, for it had now been more than twenty-five years since I had heard the sound of a man's voice. He pointed to the two savages who had been pursuing him. They were lying on the ground where they had fallen, both were quite dead. He could not understand how I had killed the second savage when he was so far away from me. He made signs that I should let him see whether his enemy was really dead, or only pretending to be so. I told him, as well as I could, that he might go to him. He ran to the fallen savage and looked at him. He turned him first on one side and then on the other. He seemed very much puzzled. Then he picked up the savage's bow and arrows and brought them to me. I turned to go back to my castle and beckoned him to follow me. He stood quite still for a moment, and then pointed again to the bodies on the ground. By signs he asked me if he might bury them, lest the other savages should come up and find them there. I answered by signs and gave him leave. The work was quickly done. With a sharp stick and his big hands, he soon dug two big holes in the sand. He laid the bodies in them and covered them up. Then he smoothed the sand and patted it down so that no one could see that it had been touched. Having thus put the two savages out of sight, he turned to me again. I motioned him to follow me, but on second thought I did not go back to the castle. I led him far into the woods, to my new cave, of which I have told you. Once inside of that cave I felt safe. I gave the poor fellow some bread with a bunch of raisins to eat. I gave him also a drink of water from a jug, and he was so thirsty from running that he came near drinking at all. Then I showed him a place where I had put some rice straw with a blanket over it. It was quite a good bed and I myself had sometimes slept upon it. He seemed to know that I meant for him to lie down there and rest. Soon he was fast asleep. He was a handsome fellow, 
He was tall, but not too large. His hair was long and black. His forehead was high and broad. His eyes were very bright. His face was round and plump. His nose was well-shaped. His lips were thin. His teeth were white as ivory. He was not black like that of an African. It was not yellow like that of some Indians. But it was a kind of olive color, very pleasant to look at. After he had been asleep about an hour, he awoke and came out of the cave where I was milking my goats. He made signs to show that he was glad to see me. Then he laid his head flat down on the ground and set my foot upon it as he had done before. This was his way of saying that he would do anything I wished. I understood him and told him by signs that I was well pleased with him. I spoke some simple words to him and tried to teach him what they meant. He was quick to learn and soon began to try to talk to me. I named him Friday, because it was on that day of the week that I had saved his life. He soon learned to call me Master and to say yes and no in the right way. In the evening I gave him an earthen pot with some milk in it and showed him how to sop his bread in the milk. I also gave him a barley cake, which he ate as though it was very good. All that night we stayed in the cave, but early the next morning I led him back to my castle. My first care was to learn whether the savages had left the island. I climbed to the top of the rock and looked around with my spyglass. I saw the place where the savages had been. I saw where they had built their fire. But they were not there. I could see no sign of them or of their canoes. It was plain that they had left the place. I gave my man Friday one of my guns to carry. In his right hand he held my sword, and on his back were his bow and arrows. I carried two guns myself, and thus armed we went boldly down to the beach. The sand was red with blood, and bones and bits of flesh were scattered all around. These I caused Friday to gather up and bury. We stayed on the beach for some time, but could find nothing more. Friday gave me to understand that there had been three other prisoners in the boats with him. I had no doubt that the savages had killed and eaten them all. The next day I made a tent for Friday to stay in. It was just inside of my castle wall and in front of the door into my own sleeping room. As he had no clothes, I set to work to make him a suit. I gave him some linen trousers which had belonged to one of our sailors, and which I had not worn because they were too small. Then I made him a little jacket of goatskin, and from the skin of a rabbit I fashioned a very good cap that fitted his head quite well. You should have seen him when he was clothed. He was very proud, but oh, so awkward. He went around with a broad smile on his face. He tried to do everything that was pleasing to me. And, indeed, I was much delighted with him, for no man ever had a more faithful servant. CHAPTER 42 I TEACH FRIDAY MANY THINGS When my man Friday had been with me three days, I took him out hunting. As we were going through some woods, I saw a wild goat lying under a tree with two young kids sitting by her. I caught hold of Friday. Stop, I said, 
stand still. Then I took aim at one of the kids, shot, and killed it. The noise of the gun so frightened the poor savage that he did not know what to do. He shook like a leaf. He thought that I was going to kill him. He did not see the kid I had shot. He threw himself at my feet. Although I could not understand a word he said, yet I knew that he was begging me to have pity on him. And, indeed, I did pity him. He was so frightened. I took him by the hand and lifted him up. I laughed at him and pointed to the kid that I had killed. When he saw it and understood me, he ran to fetch it. Going on through the woods, I saw a big bird sitting on a tree. I thought it was a hawk. See there, Friday, I said as I pointed to it. Bang went my gun. The bird fell to the ground. It was not a hawk, but a parrot. Friday was amazed. He looked at the gun and trembled. For a long time he would not touch a gun. He would look at it and talk to it. He would say, in his own language, O oh, wonderful thing, do not kill me, do not kill me. We found nothing more in the woods that day. Friday carried the kid home, and I took off its skin and dressed it. Then I stewed some of the best pieces and made some good broth. At dinner I gave some of the broth to my man. He liked it very well, but he could not bear salt in it. I tried to show him that food was best with a little salt. But he did not think so, and he would never eat meat that was salted. The next day I set Friday to work. I had him thrash some barley for me and grind the grains into meal, as I had always done. He did his work very well. Then I let him see me make some bread and bake it. He learned very fast and soon could cook and keep house as well as anyone. Little by little I taught him how to work on my farm. We fenced another field and sowed more barley, for now there were two mouths to feed instead of one. Very soon Friday learned to talk quite well. He learned the name of everything he saw. He was very quick, and I took pleasure in teaching him. I told him all about gunpowder and guns, and showed him how to shoot. I gave him a knife, which pleased him not a little. I made him a belt and gave him a hatchet to carry in it. I told him about the countries on the other side of the great ocean, and I told him something of my own history. Little by little I explained how my people traded in great ships, and how my own ship had been wrecked on the coast of this island. Thus, between working and teaching, I forgot all my fears. The days passed by, and every day brought some new delight. It was the pleasantest year of my life. I often asked my man Friday to tell me about his own country. He told me all that he knew, and his words made me feel quite sure that the mainland of South America was not far away. In fact, the low shore that I could see far to the west of my island was part of the coast of that great continent. Friday had told me that white men sometimes went there. He said that they had long, dark beards and were always trying to trade with his people. I felt quite sure that they were Spaniards, and I had a great mind to go over, if I could, and join them. Indeed, my whole mind was set on seeing some of my own people again. 
I thought that if I could only get to the mainland, I would find some way to reach England, or at least some place where Englishmen lived. At last I told Friday that I would give him a boat to go back to his own country. This was part of my plan for getting away from the island. I took him over to the other side of the island and showed him my canoe. We cleared it of water and then took a short sail in it. Friday could paddle very well. Now, Friday, I said, shall we paddle across the sea to your own country? He looked very dull at my saying this, and I saw that he thought the canoe was too small. Well, I said, I have a bigger boat. I will show it to you tomorrow. The next morning, therefore, I took him to see the first boat I had made, and which I could not get to the water. He said it was big enough, but it had been lying on the ground for twenty-three years and was rotten. We will make a new boat, Friday, I said. We will make one as big as this. Then you shall go to your old home in it. He looked very sad. Why are you angry with Friday? he asked. What has he done? I told him that I was not angry and asked him what he meant. Not angry, not angry, he cried. Then why do you want to send Friday away to his old home? Why, Friday, I said, didn't you say that you wished you were there? Yes, yes, said he. Friday wishes both were there, but not Friday without his master. But what would I do there? I asked. I could do nothing. Oh, yes, master, he answered very quickly. You could do much. You could teach wild mans to be tame, to know God, to live right. You could do much. No, Friday, I said, you shall go without me. Leave me here to live by myself, as I did before. He looked very sad. Then, all at once, he ran and picked up a hatchet. He brought it and gave it to me. What shall I do with this? I asked. You take it. Kill Friday, he said. Indeed, I said. And why shall I do that? Then why do you send Friday away? He said. Better kill than send away. The tears stood in his eyes as he spoke. I saw that he loved me and would always stand by me. So I told him that I would never, never send him away, and that he should always stay with me. You should have seen his eyes brighten. End of chapters 41 and 42 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California for LibriVox in spring 2006